Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 303, covering Sunkatsi and Collective with Scott Ziolko. Hi, friends. Uh, we have, well, not exactly a new friend, a guy who has uh, recently lost a bet to me, which I still <laughs> that's the bet, had that's to rub be in the just best a introduction bit. you could receive. For, recent bet loser, Scott Zioko. Yeah, recent loser, Scott Zioko. <laughs> uh, clearly well, Scott, the worst you, thing that happened to me last year. <laughs> <laughs> you, you called dibs on this episode before we even got to Voyager. You were like, ooh, hey, there's, there's somebody in this that I'm really excited about. Can I be on your show? Like, yeah, absolutely. And then I found out, oh, well, it's going to be about two years, though, before you're actually on an episode. But here we are two years later. Yep. If there's one thing we are is still watching Voyager. Yep. (laughs) One thing we will always be doing. We're never not watching. Yeah, it's it never ends. And, uh, you know, really, I'm I'm surprised you're back after uh, you you had perfection in your favorite episode time and again. Like, really? Like, well, wouldn't you just quit Voyager at that point? Is it even worth like watching, knowing that nothing could live up to your favorite episode time and again? It, it's been rough. It's been really rough. You know, it's like it, it's yet to like really like go back to that pinnacle of uh, television like making. But 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 I, I persevered and I watched a couple episodes after that one. And unfortunately, one of them was Threshold. But yeah, that I mean, you you had mentioned before you kind of gave up after Threshold, and, and uh, rightly so. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people did. <laughs> I, I popped back on for a couple episodes here and there, so. Well, I mean, one of the one of the reasons, like, we like to say this is worth watching or not watching is so people who aren't sure can, you know, well, no, never mind. Those guys both say don't watch this, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, these guys uh, have yeah, seen just, every episode of Star Trek up to this point. They probably sort of know what they're talking about. I think that makes us more qualified than, say, the writers of Voyager. Uh, that who, definitely makes us more qualified than the writers of Voyager. Yeah, who on the record have said Star Trek? What? No, <laughs> ew. But uh, anyway, yeah, you're you're here for a very specific reason, Scott. And and uh, why don't why don't you tell us first about however you say that Sunkatsi, right? Is that Sunkatsi? Sunkutsi? Yeah, close enough. Sunkuchi. Yeah. Anyway, give give us your take on this unpronounceable episode. I will do so. Welcome to Joel Schumacher's bold reimagining of Bloodsport. Oh, wait, it's just Voyager, where most of the crew has gone cray-cray for Tsunkatsu, which is basically alien kickboxing with sensor pads on their body to inflict maximum damage. <laughs> this is all in good fun until the crew discovers that Tsunkatsu does not feature willing participants. In particular, a kidnapped Seven and Nine who is blackmailed by Fu Manchu Face into fighting for him uh, in order to save a seriously injured Tuvok. The crew tries to beam their crew members back on board, only to discover that the fights are projected by a traveling octagon going around the system. Meanwhile, Seven and Nine gets beat up by special guest star The Rock, and still pops the ratings because people like seeing a Borg get whooped. Fu Manchu Face sets up a deathmatch for Seven and Nine, and she is trained by veteran fighter Lobster Man to maximize her fighting potential, only to discover that plot twist. Lobster Man is actually her opponent. However, it turns out he wasn't training her to lose, but actually to win and put him out of his misery. While they are engaged in deadly combat, the crew figures the best way to rescue their compadres is to disrupt their broadcast, which would affect the ratings. No, they don't beam sunburnt Neelix on to do a cooking show, but instead shoot at their antennas. They almost fail at this until Mama Janeway comes back from her coffee hunting trip to save the day just before Seven and Nine is forced to kill Lobster Man. Everyone is beamed safely back on board, and the Vulcan of all people gets to inform Seven and Nine that he suspects she is becoming more and more human all of the time. Excellent. Seven, I noticed that, <laughs> that you are becoming more human than I am. So I am disgusted by this. <laughs> that is one of the two acceptable ways to end your summary, that you're becoming more human every day. The other, of course, is no Tribble yes. at all. So. I, I, yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't find an like, acceptable Tribble. Like. No, it's it's hard to work that in, especially when you already got uh, Fu Manchu face and Lobster Man. <laughs> I love Lobster Man. 
<laughs> I, see, I like Fu Manchu face. I, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm partial to any description of a character that ends in face. <laughs> just, just something I like. Uh, something you may not have spotted just because you are not the Trek aficionado. That, that's the word for it, right, Matt? Sure, let's go with Trek aficionado. Well, we're not we're not Trekkies or Trekkers. I, 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 I like all that it because crap. it contains the words Trekfish. <laughs> yeah, we are Trekfish. Uh, no, it's something you might not have spotted just because these are two like guys from a while back in a bunch of makeup is that uh, Lobster Man was played by the guy who played Martok, J.G. Hertzler, and uh, uh, Fu Manchu Face, the uh, the shady fight promoter, was played by Jeffrey Combs, the uh, uh, Trek uh, Mar- All Star uh, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Um, uh, Wayun and Brunt yep. so far, and he'll be back. I know in Enterprise. So wasn't uh, he on TNG? Great too? seeing those I guys. Again. he was on TNG. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Probably. Well, I am a novice Star Trek watcher, I guess. So mm. I know these are these are fairly deep cuts. I would say yes. these are guys we raved about three years ago on the show. So you know, all right, I won't feel too bad then. No, you shouldn't. I just I wanted to point that out. Yes, yes, we did notice. Yes, we were happy to see them. Mm-hmm. But uh, of course, the the big story here for you is uh, Dwayne Roxon, your uh, your your yeah, wrestling yeah. boyfriend. Is that the right term? Dwayne for it? the John Roxon, yeah, <laughs> right, the Rock Lobster. <laughs> well, it's like when you guys like uh, announced that you were doing Voyager. Like the only thing that like me not being as big and like the big Star Trek guy that you You're guys not a are. Trek fish, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I really remembered from Voyager is like, oh hey, I know the Rocks on an episode, mm-hmm. and I'm know a lot about pro wrestling so maybe i could really like lend my like you know my pro wrestling now uh knowledge to this episode but uh yeah they didn't let really give me a chance to do that because he was on there for like a sandwich and yep. just left yeah this uh, was this was my bad thing why would you bother getting a guy like him if you're only gonna use him for like three minutes yeah. i mean i felt like him and jeffrey combs also but especially him like if if it was a big deal if they did promote this like crazy then he's there for one fight and that's it. I remember I watched this episode. Like I was not watching Star Trek at the time, or I was not watching Voyager at the time, but I was watching wrestling every, twice a week. And I definitely well, showed it was running on UPN. So yeah, it was running on UPN. I imagine they promoted the hell out. Look, Hey, wrestling superstar, the rock on, on our other yep. popular show. Well, so. and, and, and I mean, he came on and basically he was, he wasn't really a character. He was just rock bumpy face rock. Yeah, you like know? He, he, he right. walked, he walked out, he did the rocks like little head gestures. He did the people's eyebrow, mm-hmm. which everyone remembers. And, um, and, and I mean, to be fair, like this was before anyone really knew that the rock could be a great actor. It was, this was just think, when he was sort of taken off, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think well, he was and, in any And you of the pointed out that yet. he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't credited as uh, Dwayne Johnson yet. He was still just the, the rock. rock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was before he found out that he could probably make more money and get hurt a lot less often if he did like actual <laughs> acting. <Yep. laughs> yeah. Where you could pay someone to take the fall for you and then just be charming the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which he's very good at. Yeah, absolutely. So except in this episode, which but again, that's not his fault. They just basically said, hey, just come out, be the rock, say some cheesy one liners that aren't yeah. rockisms. And which that that was kind of a part of my bad thing was like um, for something that was supposed to be like space fight promotion like they didn't really do a lot of showmanship no mm-hmm. like you would you, you would think they would have like ring announcers and like ring girls and like all the usual like th- i mean they could have gone a lot further and had a lot more fun with it but instead they're just like no let's just throw two people in boring gray outfits and have them throw punches at each yeah. other oh and, and they and definitely let's, let's have the rock they- in like a sports bra like he said <laughs> yeah no, they definitely implied that there was some element of, of sensationalism to it, because at one point they're like, yeah, the crowds love like, yeah, seven lost. But the crowds love seeing a Borg get the shit kicked out of her because the Borg are a big deal mm-hmm. in the Delta Quadrant. And uh, most of these people probably know someone who got assimilated. So it's great seeing someone beat up a Borg. I- and like, <laughs> so c- clearly they're into the exploitation angle. of. Al, it. you think that right. uh, seven is the the Star Trek version of the Iron Sheik? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are getting pretty much on your own with this wrestling stuff. I I know who that is, sort of, but I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, just as like a representation of something of someone that everyone is supposed to hate. Ah, I got you. Yeah. No, yeah, and Scott, you pointed out that uh, they actually use some of his actual like moves. Yeah, uh, his like he actually works in uh, the rock bottom, which is his pro wrestling finishing move, where he like picked up like seven to nine and like 
landed her like back first into the floor. So although like the disappointing thing is like that, like back when uh, he was wrestling, uh, he did a move also called the people's elbow, mm-hmm. which is where like he took like 10 minutes to like uh, pose in front of like a prone body and like go back and forth and then drop an elbow on him, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because like by then the person would be fine, but it's pro wrestling. So you can do stupid shit like that. Sure. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I, I think- was okay. That was kind of my thing. Like, I mean, again, they didn't really go like all the way with it. They should have like they could have gone a little bit more corny and cheesy. Mm-hmm. But well, and, and we had talked about this. Like, it it feels like someone like me who doesn't know anything about wrestling wrote this, and like, yeah, just a bunch of people yelling and fighting. Sure, good <laughs> enough. Whereas if someone like you who was into wrestling had written it, you would have put a lot more of that detail in and and really. You know, given the wrestling fans tuning in to see their guy, something to look at. You know, I, I would have right. loved. I was thinking about this as I was watching the episode. Much as I love seeing Martok and uh, Jeffrey Coombs show up, I would have loved if they just gotten a bunch of other wrestlers to play all the other characters in this one. I would have loved oh, yeah, to that see was, Alien Big Show. <laughs> just, that, that was another thing you mentioned, Scott. Like a lot of these guys were kind of scrawny, yeah. right? Like they didn't really look like physical champions. Yeah, I mean, which is fun. like, I mean, nowadays, like, that's more acceptable because we have mixed martial arts and we see smaller people, like, legitimately fighting yeah. each other. But again, yeah, but like, you don't if, pit a scrawn job against the rock. Like, no, no, you don't. What? What? No. I'm just as, as much as much as I love Lobster Man, I would have loved to think, like, fucking decked out like Randy Savage and all that makeup and just <laughs> listen. Ooh, listen up, seven to nine. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want to, if you want a whole pool of big muscle guys, you got it right there across yeah. the lot. Probably go get them. Like, it wouldn't be that hard, and it probably wouldn't be that hard to find out of all those guys, four or five of them willing to put on dumb Star Trek foreheads to to prance around. For Absolutely, minutes, but you know, considering like, what they normally do, this is like an is this an easy paycheck? Right. Yeah, there's there's some dumb costumes and latex involved, but other than sure. that, yeah. Well, they're already used to that, yeah. so. I guess. I don't know. The Rock usually doesn't look that stupid. Like that, I know a couple of things about him. He doesn't usually wear a sports bra or a fake forehead. No, he, he usually wears a black turtleneck with a chain and a fanny pack. Yes. <laughs> fanny pack? Well, old pro wrestlers wear fanny packs all the time. Oh. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> okay. The, the, the great thing about The Rock is that he's got the forehead for prosthetics, too. It's like a vast tombstone yeah. with which to work on. Yeah, but imagine, <laughs> imagine if they used him to his full potential and they made him like a a, a klingon or something yeah that's the thing oh, that like the awesome. badass klingon warrior you know that would have been much cooler. that's the thing the rock's a fucking great actor yeah like i've seen him in a ton of movies i mean i'd, I'd like great act i don't know if he's ever gonna win an oscar let's let's uh let's maybe scale that back okay but bit. like he's a great sort of working big guy action star like he can yeah. he can do the job the thing right. is, I don't, I have not seen him in one thing I like him in at all, and yet I still like mm-hmm. him. That takes some, like, that takes some presence and charisma there for me to be a fan of his, despite the fact that I've seen nothing that I like him Sure. In. Right. But, I, but again, this episode was made charm. before he was that rock, yeah. so. Right. This is pre-Mummy Returns, pre-Scorpion King. Maybe, maybe this was, like, the stepping stone. Maybe he's like, hey, that's fun, I could do this. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Put me in, put yeah. me in more episodes of Star Trek. Well, Voyager's <laughs> over. Would you like to be the Scorpion King? I would. <laughs> All right. Is Brendan Fraser going to be in it? Nah, he's busy. Nah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Use, get me your worst CGI possible. I mean, we're talking, what, 2001, 2002, something like that. Most of the CG's pretty terrible. Make me look like right. a PlayStation 2 boss. <laughs> I was really impressed with uh, Jerry Ryan. Like I don't, I don't really notice a lot of the fight choreography stuff, like like you guys probably sure. do. But uh, I will say, it looked like Jerry Ryan did most, if not all, of her own fighting. Oh yeah. Which I can't think of Seven. Like Seven hasn't done a ton of physical stuff. Her whole thing is science. She's she usually thinks stuff out for mm-hmm. people. So it was nice to see. Hey, she could do this too if she had to. Yeah. And it was yeah. That, you know, that was, was my impressive. good thing was that she was super awesome. Like just carrying yeah. most of the episode, not just the character stuff, but you can like we 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 when we were watching the episode, we noticed that you know that it didn't cut away to show someone else doing the fighting for her. Mm-hmm. That was no, mostly it was all her close doing ups. It. it was wasn't a lot of those obvious wide shots where you only see the back of her head. Like it was, we were right up in it. Yeah. Yeah, she clearly had like some mixed like martial arts training, like kickboxing or something like that, and she was clearly like pretty adept at it. So it was kind of cool to see them like take something that she was good at and like put it in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's weird because like I say, this is uh, she's been on the show for like three years now, and I can't remember apart from you know uh, the occasional very quick exchange here and there, like seeing her do this kind of thing. It's cool. Like I didn't know she could do that. Yeah. It's cool that she can. 
like that. And maybe unlike uh, the doctor singing, like maybe they'll throw in more scenes like this and it'll actually be good, right? <laughs> and and they'll make it to the point where we're sick of it. Yeah, yeah I, would, right. <laughs> I would love if in future, every time they, they decide, every time they, they're going to have the doctor sing, instead they'll just have seven kick someone's ass. <laughs> or whenever the doctor starts singing, she just clotheslines it. <laughs> Here comes seven with a folding chair. Wham! Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Um, so, uh, we basically, this episode basically has seven out of her usual board onesie, and mm-hmm. we actually get to see, uh, her arms for once. She's got a big ass Borg implant gash on one of her arms, and it's actually really cool. Yeah. I like the idea no, that she's cool. got, like, more Borg crap, like, all over her body. We just don't see it because she, you know, is wearing clothes all the time. Right. No, and actually the makeup in this episode, you had also pointed out that Tuvok's uh, injuries Oh, man, looked, uh, Tuvok looks brutal. so gross. Like, a bomb goes off in his face, so it makes sense. But Tuvok looks yeah. so gross in this episode. It looks like someone took an ice cream scoop and just scooped chunks of his face out. <laughs> I couldn't tell if there was, like, actually, like, green blood or not. They didn't throw that detail in. Mm. Yeah. They're, us- they're no, usually that's... pretty good about that, giving them, like, the green... Uh... Uh, on the TV series, not so much in the movies. Yeah, that's true. Right. I could, I would not put it past Voyager to forget that Vulcans are green blood. They, <laughs> they don't care about that stuff. But he's a green-blooded hobgoblin. I, no one's ever called him that, though. It's true. No, he's been spared that. There's no racist <laughs> jerks on it on Voyager. Oh, they are. They're just not anti-Vulcan racist jerks. <laughs> uh, let's see. My good thing. Yes. I was quite surprised to discover that I like this episode. Like, the premise is one of those most basic ideas in sci-fi. You take your heroic character, you kidnap him, you force him to fight to the death in an arena. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen that a million times in a million places. We've seen it on Star but Trek before. We have to, well, not exactly in this form, but, uh, you know. I mean, we've seen arena fighting of. and we've seen force to fight a guy. Right, right, right. Uh, but honestly, like, simple, I think, is where Voyager does good like does their best work sure. because there's no techno babble there's no dumb like high concept premise it means you can keep the focus on the characters mm-hmm. seven is kidnapped with an injured tuvok seven is forced to fight to save tuvok's life seven's friends help rescue seven that's it and then it's all about her and her willingness to kill and like we're all in her head and it's it's so much better than all that again high concept crap mm-hmm. so i like yeah. that yeah, I think Voyager works best, like like you said, when it focuses on a single plot, because it's not as good as like Next Generation or Deep Space Nine at juggling like multiple plots sure. together. Yeah. Like like when they focus on one thing, it seems like the show's really at its best. Yeah, I, I agree. And the the biggest complaint I have for any bad Voyager episode is I'm so bored. Mm-hmm. Like we both constantly like at the halfway oh how much time is it? like that's been the biggest runner through Voyager, how much time is left? Oh twenty minutes. And I didn't feel like that here. Like, as much as this is sort of a standard story, at no point did I feel like it was dragging. I felt like the story kept things moving, and I was never checking how much time was left because each thing led into the next thing, and I was pretty engaged. And uh, that's, that's you know, pretty impressive for a story that's so, like, <laughs> for a nothing story like this. Yeah. No, absolutely. And well, Yeah, I feel like I lucked out this week and got two, like, not bad yeah, episodes. I don't know that, that Matt and I completely will agree on the second one. I liked it. I don't. I don't think he did. It was might fine. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, you definitely didn't didn't pick a couple of terrible no. ones. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick a threshold. <laughs> yeah. No, although a, I d- go ahead. I mean, I didn't pick a time and again like level episode, but you know that's wow. That's the, an episode like that only comes along once a series. So <laughs> clearly, <laughs> and you didn't know that till after we'd covered it. So. Right. <laughs> now we um. Actually, you you ended up drawing two uh, good seven heavy episodes, which I'm surprised Caitlin hasn't like shown up to clothesline you for that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, she the door right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Oh no! Because I did feel like this season's been a bit seven light so far, and it was nice to have a bit more of her. So, yeah. Although you, you you brought up that the fact that we're doing like se- uh, seven to nine heavy episodes, we're gonna get like Harry Kim and Neil like yeah. focused episodes. Oh, later. the Harry, the inevitable Harry episode must be next. <laughs> I can I can taste that's it coming. Thing. You know, that's the thing. I know we're we're more than halfway through the season. We haven't really had a, a Harry episode yet, so it's inevitable. And it, oh man, it's like early in the season. If we get like Chuck, Harry, and Neelix, like oh good, out of the way. Yeah. The rest of the season should be good. 
Yeah, I should have made my bad thing uh, the fact that uh, no, like they teased at someone punching Harry Kim and they didn't actually do it. <laughs> oh God, Harry! Harry trash talking Chuck, like Chuck, who we've seen as a boxer. Yeah, and he is a big guy. Like for all my faults with Robert Beltran's acting, he's a pretty bulky guy, uh-huh. and he's a boxer. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure and, he could kick my ass. Like, it, I mean, it's yeah, not hard to I, kick my ass, but uh, no, but uh, you know, I he might be the strongest guy on that ship. Mm-hmm. Like thinking over who we know, like like Tuvok's good at strategy, but I don't know that he's physically could overpower. Well, he's got that that Vulcan strength, though. I guess that's true, yeah. But all things being equal, I think he might be like mm-hmm. the one of the toughest guys on the ship. And Harry's like, "Yo, well, I could take you in the ring." No, what? No, you couldn't. That's like what? watching like a three year old like pretend to punch his dad or something. Yeah. And everyone uh, just smirks and like, yeah, whatever Harry, you whatever. say, yeah. Harry. Yeah, you're a big grown man. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part of that scene. Is like just all the characters just like not taking Harry seriously whatsoever. Like just yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's why it was funny because the characters thought the same way mm-hmm. we did, which is yeah. Whatever no. you say, sweetie. <laughs> just roughly no, honey, no. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy that. Actually, there were good some good uh, Chakotay um, character moments in this. Whenever they keep him sort of light. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Like, uh, Scott, you pointed out there was some good back and forth between him and Bellana. Yeah. 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 The scene where, uh, where like, the very beginning where Bellana like, finds out that uh, Chakotay was uh, taking over uh, the ship and she tried to get him to abuse his power. And then a few scenes later, like, it backfires on her when she, like, has to take over his duty <laughs> yeah. so he can go watch some more fights. Well, you, so I th- you're I thought a parent. Good. You know what this is like. Oh, I'm with Dad tonight. Dad, I get to stay up till 11, right? Yeah, okay, sure you do, kid. He's also, he's the one that I buy the most being, in, like, I actually believe he would be interested in watching these fights. Yeah. You know, like, you got everyone sort of super well, he's a boxer. everything, and I'm like, eh, it's, uh, I don't know about that. We've, we've talked about his backstory being a little inconsistent, but he is a boxer. We've established that a few times, mm-hmm. and he's into, like, uh, anthropology, studying other cultures. Yep. So, yeah, it's like, seeing how another culture does sport fighting, totally. Is <laughs> Show cool. me how another culture beats the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> we did get some of that stuff that we had from the doctor before, just about how brutal the Sala is and pointless. And yep. the, I like that. That's consistent. And it makes a lot of sense, too, for, like, a guy who's programmed to be full of medical knowledge to just be like, why the hell are you guys hitting each other? <laughs> yeah, you're doing it on purpose. Look, I fix you up when you accidentally get hurt, but why would you do it intentionally? Do you know how hard it was to get your nose looking like a nose again? God damn. And to reattach your ear. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I like, how explained that to ne- I like how you explained that to Neelix, and Neelix like, oh, I gotta go see this. Yeah. I haven't seen anyone well, get the Neelix. shit kicked out of them in a while. <laughs> Usually it's happening to me, and I can't stop to watch it because it's happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, we had that whole Neelix thing where he got a sunburn cooking up some unguent for his skin, like, in a big pot in in the, in the mess hall. Like, what are you doing? Things I never need to see in an that I put on my face. Things I never need to see in an episode of Star Trek. Neelix's unguent. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, seriously, a cooking pot right in the kitchen where they make the food. Yep. And he's making some kind of lotion to help his, his sunburn skin. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Oh, are these pina coladas? <laughs> now, I've clearly labeled this one as Neelix's unguent, and this one as pina coladas, and oops. <laughs> Wait, Even you it, couldn't mess this up anymore. If I'm rubbing pina colada on my face, why did I serve the captain? Doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, um, uh, sorry, what did you guys call him? Toad face? Uh, lobster face. Lobster, Lo- man. lobster man. man. Yeah, he's actually one of the uh, Herogen. Those yes. uh, hunter guys, which I really liked from uh, like a season or two ago. I actually had a moment these, in this episode where it's like, I wish these aliens were from like old episodes. Oh, wait, this guy's from an old episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least there wasn't a Kazon in there. But oh. yeah. Well, no, I'd like to see a Kazon get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> just have the rock just like like step on him uh-huh. and like screw his heel into the like. Argh, Plus, like if there's bug. two things I know Kazon like, it's jumping their cars over flaming trash cans and professional wrestling. I was about to say and pro wrestling, yeah. That, yeah, that would make yeah, that would be in character. I was I was gonna say, uh, like the Kazon could be uh the just to throw in another pro wrestling reference, uh, one of them could have been like Hillbilly Jim from the eighties. <laughs> just had a giant golden horseshoe like around his neck. I just oh, I, back in my back when I was into wrestling, I had a brief interest in uh backyard wrestling. Oh god, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh-huh. In doing it or watching Wa- it? watching it. 
Okay. But uh, and I can easily see a bunch of a bunch of Kazons setting up a shitty video camera in their backyard just like <laughs> Hey, just, let's power bomb each other off the top of Dad's roof. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Hang on, I'm gonna hit you with this two by four with a nail through it. <laughs> I was just thinking. I don't know that I could name five wrestlers unless uh, Andy Kaufman counts as one. He does. He does. Can you can, can you name okay. four more? Yeah, I think I probably could. I I don't want to. <laughs> I probably could. I could beat up Chakotay. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys got anything else for this one? Or uh, shall we press forward? Lobster Man, uh, uh, Fu Manchu Mustache. Scott, this is your last chance to make those uh, sweet wrestling references. <laughs> uh, I, I I tried to like keep it light because I figure like most of the people who listen to the show probably there's probably not oh, a no. lot of. There's a little I, bit I feel of like there's a ton of crossover. I feel like most of our listeners, like I am, I'm in the minority. So, and really, if if there is something wrestling specific, this episode touched by all means. I actually continue to be surprised by how many people I know actually do like pro wrestling. It's always surprises That's the me thing. on Monday night. A, a lot of our listeners were really excited that we were uh, talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, but yeah, but much like the episode, like itself, like there wasn't a whole lot to give. Yeah, there's not much fans. to cover. That's like, true. Yeah. So, but you know, I mean, like you know, like I said, it was is kind of. It's kind of a shame they didn't like really go all the way with the rock and like, yeah. and, and it's a shame they, I mean, like you got, we said too, like it would have been cool if they like got some other, the wrestlers in there. Cause there would have been like, cause you could have thrown like makeup on uh, some of those guys and like, or you could have not thrown makeup on some of those guys and they'd still look like aliens because mm-hmm. they got all those gashes on their heads from blading <laughs> and stuff. But right. <laughs> like Jerry, the King Lawler, like his forehead looks like a, like a, a cutting board, so you could have just thrown them on there. It's like, oh, did you already go to the makeup artist? No, I. No, this is just my face. I, I, I would really <laughs> prefer not to have Jerry the King Lawler around. If it all oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I know is, who that is yeah. because of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, he, he. Yeah. But I mean, I'd bring. Is that how I'd the Kazon Mc... wrestle in Memphis, Tennessee? <laughs> I'd bring Mick Foley into this in a fucking second. I love that guy. Oh, Mick Foley would have been great. Yeah. He's got that. He, that dude would make such a good fucking Klingon. <laughs> I don't know if he, he's too teddy bearish to be a Klingon. No, no, I can, too... I can totally see that. You put the. the I don't know. Are... Michael Dorn's pretty teddy bearish. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like that's that's not. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> I I love McFoley. <laughs> I I got to yeah I got to see McFoley do a talk and I got him to sign my book. Oh, that's so awesome. Was, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, like, and these people I, are all dead now, right? Sorry. These people are all dead now, right? Uh, no, no. Not for lack of trying, oh, okay. but... Uh, You're right, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we, need to, we need to press forward yeah, sure. now. Scott, you got a quote for us? Uh, I do. Uh, so it is the... Uh, let me look it up here. So it's the scene where uh, Seven and Nine reveals that she's uh, afraid of how far she'll go in the fights. Uh, she reveals this to Tuvok uh, right before her death match. Are you adequately prepared? The Herogen is an efficient instructor. He believes I'll win. That troubles you. The idea of killing someone for the entertainment of others is detestable. Is the idea of losing your own life for the entertainment of others more palatable? As a drone, you took many lives. I was acting as part of the collective. You're worried you won't have the strength to accomplish the task on your own. I'm worried that I will. Yeah, I really like that. And then they follow up with that near the end where she's like, yeah, I probably would have killed him. Yeah, again, this was a, like a really good like character building scene for uh, yeah. or this character building episode for Seven and Nine, like just kind of showing that you know she's fought so hard to like regain her humanity, and then like doing this fighting and kind of like she's afraid she's going to lose herself into it yeah. and become maybe not a Borg drone, but a different kind of drone, like a mindless killing machine. So that that was a that was a cool moment, I thought. In the episode. Yeah, no, I I like and I like because her journey is supposed to be from Borg to human. I like checking in every now and then. How is that coming along? Is she tempted? Is she challenged? Like, what's what's going on? And yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of that. Yeah, and actually, the next episode does more with that too, which uh, we will talk about now. So let me tell you what happens in Collective. For the second time in recent memory, we open with a shuttle containing Neelix, Harry, Chakotay, and Tom, and I find myself not caring if they live or die. (laughs) I mean, I'd miss Tom a little, but if it meant losing those other three, I'd totally sacrifice him. This week, they're running into the Borg, who, to my surprise, are still kind of a legitimate threat that I'm not sick of yet. The Borg capture the shuttle, but does not immediately assimilate the crew. This Borg cube is... off somehow. Clothes are strewn everywhere. Chicote steps on a Lego. Half-eaten food rests on every surface, and the faint whiff of pubescent body odor permeates the air. 
Yes, this is no ordinary Borg cube. The collective is apparently run entirely by five children, which is almost certainly something our guest Scott can relate to since he also has five children. (laughs) Wait, he doesn't? Why do I always think he has five children? Anyway, yeah, the main Borg collective cut this cube off and left it to die, but the scrappy band of tweens perseveres and is now matching wits with the likes of Harry and Neelix. And they nearly succeed until some actual grown-ups, which is to say Janeway and Seven, show up and administer various spankings, both literal and figurative. The hostages are eventually rescued, and Seven decides that since she's been having so much fun with Naomi Wildman, bringing four kids with her would mean four times as much fun. So now they live here, why not? Unfortunately, so do Harry and Neelix. Maybe next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really, at at one point, we had all those guys over on the board cube, and we cut back to Voyager, and it was just like Team A. Yeah. It was just like Janeway, Bellana, uh, uh, Seven, and Tuvok. And it's like, yeah, why don't we just watch this show and fuck those other guys? I'm literally (laughs) watching and just like, you guys, you can just leave. Yeah, just, just leave them there. Just, just Get go. Get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Sorry, we lost them to the Borg. It was a real tragedy. So anyway. Just go. You'll, be, you'll, you'll finally be free. Yeah. Uh, she likes those guys. Uh, well, there's no care for taste, I guess. Yeah, she's their mom. What can you do? I love being all of your mom. Even you, Chakotay. Who I may have slept with. Uh. You're the child I had sex with one time. Ugh. She says that to Paris, right? This metaphor is getting away from me. Yeah, a little, little bit, a little bit there. No, so so let's be clear, Matt. You you didn't care for this. It one, was huh? fine. It, it felt a little slow to me. That's there's fair. a lot. It felt a lot of this episode felt like a lot of running around in the dark. <laughs> in a haunted house, you mean? Yes, the haunted <laughs> Harry Harry Kim's haunted house. Canonically, the thing Harry Kim is most scared of is a haunted house. Now, keep in mind, Harry Kim has been dead, like. At least yeah, twice. A couple of times. Yeah. And and he's actually like taken fire from a, a species even deadlier than the Borg on a Borg cube. But the thing that, that but the thing that scares Harry Kim the most is a guy dressed up in a toilet paper mummy costume and a broken vampire that fell out of a coffin once. <laughs> oh Jesus. We, we got a Lord, Captain. That's my dog. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrible. But Harry is terrible. Are you on board with this Harry is terrible thing, Scott? I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I gave the guy a chance. We but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. It, it, and, and like we said, like, it seems like the writers are purposely kind of trying to shit can the guy because he's just not great. Oh, like, yeah. They've run out of stuff to do with him already. No, and we've heard the behind-the-scenes stories about how uh, uh, the actor wanted a promotion. Like, do I have to be an ensign the whole series? And they're just like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. We need someone to take all the crap. <laughs> so, there's that. Well, can I at least be afraid of a werewolf? Yes, we will allow that. Oh. <laughs> can you write that into the show? Make it legit? Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm sure Memory Alpha points out this is the first appearance of a haunted house in Star Trek. I just want to see Garrett Wang show up at the end of the episode. And be like, yeah, we all had a lot of fun tonight, but there's nothing funny about haunted houses. You know, over eight people a year are killed in the walls of certain haunted houses. <laughs> if your walls start bleeding or if you hear these sounds... <laughs> Consult a doctor. I'm Garrett Wang. Or... This is the Amityville Horror. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know, like I liked, I, I actually quite like this. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and do my good thing. We mentioned this before, but it comes back here in a big way. Voyager actually handles the maternal angle extremely well. Like back in Next Gen, we got really tired of Beverly because pretty much the only thing about her was that she was a mom. Like it was a weakness for her. It was, oh, my baby. But Janeway's maternal nature is a strength. And seeing her trying to impart it to Seven and say, you know what? This is part of being human if you want it to be. Mm. Like. You want to if you want to be someone's caretaker, that's that's part of this. If if you want, you know, like she she makes it very clear. You don't have to do this. Please, please but, don't call him a caretaker. Seven will just think you have to whip out a banjo. Oh, that's, <laughs> no, seven wasn't there for that. She doesn't know. that. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's that whole be more human thing. And there's a great scene between the two of them where she's coaching her like, you want to take care of these kids? You could take care of these kids. And her it, we like we've seen glimmers of this in her interactions with Naomi is this feels like the next step mm-hmm. and Kate's right there to help her figure it out it's taking advantage of the fact that your most interesting main characters are women and playing to that yeah. rather than fumbling it not writing like cardboard moms like Beverly was but actually saying you know what being a mom is part of life experience and you you'd be a pretty good mom if you want to do that mm-hmm. and I like that it's more the moms on the show are more like Ripley from aliens than Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because that's, to me, how you do badass sci-fi mom is get away from her, you bitch. Oh, yeah. And then Seven is that kind of mom. And then in the the next movie, you kill the kid. Well, yeah, but that's not her fault. Uh, and I like I liked how, how they didn't go generic with the mom thing either, because like there was even a scene where Janeway actually held like the Borg baby and like yep. and but immediately after holding it, she still said, oh, yeah, I'm going to totally like nuke these kids. Yeah. If they, they screw with me anymore. Yeah, they've been they've been toying with the idea of a genocide weapon, which every time the Borg come, that's that's a thing that comes up. Yeah. And, right. and yeah, you, you that is a very good point, Scott, that her holding the baby would inevitably lead to, yeah, I can't kill these guys. No, she's still ready yeah, to no. kill them. This is a cute baby. <laughs> Wipes them out. Yep. <laughs> cute baby. Be a shame if something happened to it. Punt. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor with a horrified look. What did you just do? I got some good air off that baby. I'd like to see you kick it further. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Throw, throw baby into lake. <laughs> throw baby <laughs> yeah i would totally watch them play peasants quest on the uh on the holiday i would too if it meant that oh. they would set uh harry on fire <laughs> well yes i thought you were gonna say set Fairhaven on fire either either that's fine, fine too <laughs> yeah Burn uh, Scott, what was your good thing? oh uh yeah my good thing was also uh this was a good take on i thought it was an interesting take on the board and um like on paper like board children could have been like absolutely horrible and i thought it wasn't Mm -hmm. like i thought they actually did a good job and i thought the kids that played the board kids like did a really good job of kind of like capturing that lord of the flies kind of feel on the ship oh yeah that was definitely a chaos like the strongest kid tries to to tell the rest of them what to do kind of thing i like that kid a lot that was he was my good thing as like yeah. the bot the boss board kid. Well, it's it's that it's that vibe of like I'm slightly older and mom put me in charge and you all have to do what I say. But he's not really sure of himself. Well, the thing is, if you like, he the, mom didn't put him in charge. Mom put the other kid in char- charge, and he sort of took over. Well, right, but that's the vibe that he put off. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like he's the oldest, or there's some reason that he should be in charge, but it's it's not a very good reason, and he knows. Yeah. It. Yeah, I kind of wish and I. He's just, I kind of yeah. wish I didn't know that this was about the Borg kids because I can only met like, like I thought they did a good job building up to that moment and building up to mm-hmm. the reveal where they go on the ship and they're just like, wait, something's not right, and they mm-hmm. see like a body with just like metal pieces all jammed into it. And mm-hmm. They they didn't do it right, and I I just thought they did a good job like building up to that reveal and like yeah. actually executing it a pretty decent way. Yeah, I agree. Now I've heard a lot of uh. uh bad like uh criticisms of the board kids and the thing is it's pretty clear now that they are recurring characters and there's plenty of opportunities in the future for them to make these kids insufferable sure but as of this episode i like that like, i just want to be clear about that like the board kids might be terrible and we might end up saying that but as of this one episode which is all i know about them they're pretty okay i thought if, if there's one thing i've noticed about voyager it's that everything awful starts off looking okay <laughs> The thing is, this feels like somebody noticed the seven Naomi scenes and like, hey, what if we had like four or five Naomi's? Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Yeah. One is fine. No, I keep expecting them to pitch like a, a seven and a bunch of kids spin off like the junior Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> yeah, full cube. Ugh. Yeah. Adventures in Bork sitting. Ugh. Yeah, that was much better. <laughs> I'd be okay with that if it means seven wears a Thor helmet. <laughs> I don't know why is, that is she worthy on, it does is, is she worthy to carry uh, Mew Mew oh definitely <laughs> Mew Mew <laughs> it's pronounced Mewtwo Al Jesus oh sorry. <laughs> is that a Pokemon thing <laughs> yes it is yes well I thought spotted. you could slip that by me you and your damn 90s dad <laughs> <laughs> only 90s uh, kids are worthy, are worthy of Mjolnir <laughs> no thank you I don't want it anyway <laughs> Sour hammers, that's what I said. <laughs> uh, Scott, what was your bad thing? Okay, uh, my bad thing is having to constantly remind you that I only have three kids. They just, appear in pi- <laughs> they just appear in pictures with their two cousins on a regular basis. No, that can't be my good thing, bad thing? Okay. Uh, no, it can, but you can pick another. Okay, uh, so maybe the fear of liking Voyager episodes after the grief I get from time and again. <laughs> 
That, 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 does that work? No? Okay, uh, fine. Scott, we didn't uh, invite you like... on the show to air your personal grievances did, with Al. You didn't? I no, no, that that's fine. I, listen, the thing is, I I, I, uh, I say horrible things about Scott when he's not here to defend himself. This is his opportunity to do so. <laughs> I, I welcome it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm usually at work uh, listening to like listening to it on my podcast. Like, ooh, Al, you'll yeah. rule the day. You son uh, of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, by all means. I got it coming. Bring it on. <laughs> Well, no, no, actually, I had to come in be after the whole uh, uh, D-word incident, but we won't bring that up here. Uh, <laughs> no, no, my bad thing is uh, I don't like how they attempt to make Harry Kim a badass and then instantly undermine it with the stupid haunted house thing and having the kid, <laughs> poor kid, immediately find him with those playing cards. So, yeah, or maybe that's my good thing. I don't know. This is my first time here. <laughs> no, that's, I, look, anytime your bad thing includes the words Harry Kim, I think we can allow yeah, that. No, okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're safe. Now, Harry does this thing when he's exploring where he puts these playing cards all over to mark where he's been, I guess, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I couldn't but, find uh, any whatever. breadcrumbs. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you say, he's he's trying to be a badass. And this little girl who can't be older than 10 and probably is more like seven or eight, yeah. would you guys say? Uh, she looks eight to me. Yeah, she looks yeah. eight. Yeah, definitely well, well prepubescent. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> basically, like, uh, uh, corners him. You're busted. Like, dude, you are not a badass. The littlest of little goals. Come play with uh, us, Harry. Uh-huh. La, 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 la. I like this yeah. card. It looks just like nine. Does it? It's the queen of hearts. What? What? She she hasn't seen a lot of women. <laughs> Harry Kim instantly interjects, oh, neither have I. <laughs> we got that in common. Yep. There's one thing I like about women. It's how another woman comes out at the bottom of the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's like the torso just turns into the torso of another woman who is upside down. <laughs> what? Uh, what was your, well, actually, our bad things sort of tie in. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll do mine, and then you can, yeah, yeah. you can take over. I did not hate them as much as I expected to, the board kids, probably because Flunk told me to. <laughs> like, that's why I expected to. But uh, they, they maybe they become insufferable later, like I said. But so far, so good. That said, they look terrible. Oh, God, they're, like, they, they, they're awful. Yeah. They look weirdly half naked. And well, the thing is, they're not they're not fully Borg. Like most of them still have hair, and their skin is not completely pale. Yeah. So like I get what they're they're going for that sort of in between look, but that's that's not it. It's mostly their costumes, and that's kind of where your thing and, takes over. Like you you mentioned one during the episode, and as soon as you said it, you're absolutely right. It looks like they look like kids wearing their parents' clothes or something. Yeah, except their parents are bored. Yeah, exactly. Everything's a little too big and it fits weird and they all look like they're wearing overalls. Um yep. a bunch of them have only like have one leg that's completely uncovered and it just it looks like they're running around in weird metal underoos. <laughs> <laughs> also the no, also the twins, uh, there's these two twin bored kids and they wear these weird big silver shoes that look completely ridiculous. Like, they're supposed to just be Borg feet, but it looks like someone spray-painted a pair of Nikes. Well, it looks even more ridiculous because, as you say, one of their legs is bare. Yes. So you have you have flesh, and then suddenly a metal foot. Yes. It'd be like, it'd be like a pirate with a peg leg and a real foot. <laughs> it's like, what? How? What? How did that work? That's an image I'm How really is your enjoying. foot robot... How is your foot a robot, but your your leg is human? It's just it's it's bad. It's very very bad. And one of the one of the older kids has like it looks like someone was trying to put a laser pointer over his eye, but just put it over his nose <laughs> instead. Ah, that that didn't bother me. It was a little asymmetrical, which I actually like. Is just things a little off. It's like, come on, you've designed thousands of Borg at this point, and they all look pretty good most of the time. These are terrible. Well, and Scott, you pointed out it might be because like kids aren't allowed to be under quite so much makeup, like just as a as a legal thing. Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, like kids can't spend hours and hours on a makeup chair like an adult can. That's so true. It's probably, right. like, it's probably it might be like a an actors union thing or something. Mm. But yeah, but, but like you said, the thing is there there are some good makeup and and prop people on the show that could have worked under those constraints. I think they just didn't do a very good job. No, I've no, seen better born time. kids at cons. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely have. I've seen better Borg babies at cons, honestly. Oh, God, that Well, the thing baby. is, the, the baby, when it's in the incubator thing, when it's in the weird green liquid thing, mm -hmm. I thought, like, the, the, the baby Borg aquarium. Yes. I thought, 
that looked pretty good. But then they take it out and uh, not so much. No, it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a baby this fake since that clip from American Sniper. Like, that's a fake ass baby. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obvious Jerry Ryan's like wiggling her hand. So it looks like the baby's moving around. Uh, it's definitely alive. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah, my the kids nice have more is... realistic looking babies. Sorry? Yeah. My kids have more realistic looking baby dolls here. Like <laughs> I could just pick one up and it'd be more realistic looking ba- than that Borg baby. You could just like hot glue your remote control to it and it would look like a Borg there. <laughs> there <God. laughs> See, the nice thing is with a baby that fake, you actually could have Janeway punt it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, that's canon. That's, that's an image I'm going to enjoy for the rest of my life. Never forget, Kate Janeway kicked a baby. I just picture, uh, I just picture the doctor holding it like Lucy. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I won't pull it away. This time, it'll. This time for sure. Ah, you blockhead! I'm gonna go try to get my kite away from the kite-eating tree now. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why I Neil picture the kite-eating da- tree. I picture the kite-eating tree as a giant kazon. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Neelix is downstairs lying on top of his doghouse. <laughs> Would that have made Kess Woodstock? Yes, it would. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see what else. Um, there was there, like I said, there was a, a lot that I enjoyed about this. Although the episode opened with uh those characters playing poker, and guys, you're not next. How, yeah, I, it, <laughs> they opened that, and my note is just like, oh come on, how dare you? <laughs> Although that said. And again, I can't believe I'm giving Neelix credit, but uh, I got to point this out. Uh, pretty good use of Neelix basically being like, what do you call it? Is it a card shark? I guess. Yes. Yeah, it would be a card yeah. shark. Like the, like that thing where you pretend you don't know what you're doing and then you fleece everyone at the table. That yeah, thing. What are these, he was hustling them. What are these strange yeah. squares with drawings on them? I've never seen anything like this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, Ethan Phillips played the comedy of that pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, po- poker? What is poker? <laughs> Do I have a good hand here? Like, it's it pretty funny. I like his line. It's, it's so like, rare. Oh, another red one. <laughs> yep. I, I was disappointed uh, that they didn't go with the obvious gag with that. With When it was Paris's turn, he goes, look, Borg. And Chakotay would go, yeah, nice try trying to distract this Paris. <laughs> He's like, no, really, Borg. Yeah, that would be... That would that would it would not I would not put it past Voyager to do that, uh, that kind of hacking joke. <laughs> yes, very good, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> Although a couple of times they talk about yeah, let's hit the main propulsion system or the main like whatever system. That's not how Borg work. The whole point is they don't have a main anything. Yeah. the whole ship does all the stuff. That bugged me a little bit. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. That that's the cool thing about Borg ships is like you can't just hit one part. Like yeah, there's no matter. bridge, there's no engine, there's no like like most of the ship does most of the stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I did I did think the spaceship fighting parts were pretty cool though. I thought they did a good job. Like they, it wasn't much, but the little bits we did get was was pretty. Cool yeah, with watch. the with the shuttle trying to escape, and then later with the Voyager. Yeah, they they did some. You, you would point out some Star Warsy sort of yeah. Uh, angles. Yeah. No, that shot of the Delta Flyer just sort of fucking doing its last run on the Death Star was, was pretty fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, it was. And they did one of those shots where it was like like you you mentioned, Scott, the uh, the beginning of uh, the original Star Wars, where you got that giant Star Destroyer looming in like from the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And they did that with the Borg Cube, and it was very effective. Yeah, they shoot the yeah. underside. And it looked really neat. Yeah, and, and given that we've seen the Borg, you know, 10 times at this point, I'm sure the effects guys appreciated doing something like not just the straight on shot, yeah. like something a little bit, because these ships are cubes. There's not much interesting, like, there's not a lot of good angles to show off, like, it's all the same, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I like that. Uh, oh, I, I like, they put it, a, they put a cool little digital effect on the uh, the voice of one of the Borg, oh, the, where I um... thought my audio, my audio was glitching. Yeah, yeah, that was really neat. It sounded like a badly compressed MP3 or something like that. Like it was, it was a digital effect. It was, it was like when you get a bad digital audio file. Mm. And I kept thinking, my did did I encode this wrong? Did I rip it from the DVD bad? And no, that's on purpose. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, uh, what else? I, I like the seven and nine cider house rules moment at the end of the episode. <laughs> good night, you. The, uh, good night, you Borgs of Maine. <laughs> oh yeah, where well, she's turned, she has now uh, uh, taken an entire cargo bay and turned it into a Borg cube, like even more a Voyager than ever. Yep. <laughs> Soon the entire sleep, ship children. will be mine. 
Yep. <laughs> just keep picking up Borg and keep gradually turning more of the ship into Borg yep. country. This is her, all fine. Her plan works until she has to assimilate Neelix and she's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it's weird. Two thirds of a Borg cube with a with a mess hall just showed up. <laughs> it just stops right there at that cooking pot full of goo. <laughs> oh, that's my sunburn salve. Uh, or or is that the pina colada? I don't know. I lost the signs a while ago. Just help yourself. You get a pretty good buzz <laughs> off both of them. God, I hate him. <laughs> my Borg implants keep clogging up. <laughs> oh, no, my butt flap. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, one of the kids looked like they had a butt flap on their thing. I think that was the thing that bothered me most about their physical appearance was my... my my alarm, my inappropro alarm went off. Uh-huh. Where like, I'm seeing too much skin on these children. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, stop, cover them up, please. I don't want to be looking at that. Yeah. And it's not like I was seeing anything I shouldn't see, but just my brain registered it as children should be wearing clothes. Yeah, no, it it was literally just bare arms and legs and yeah, sh- occasional shoulders on some of the boys. But it's still yeah, it was very off putting, and I don't know why. I, it's because it, for me, because that part of my brain says I should not be seeing children naked because that is a taboo in our culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seeing them naked, but it still almost feels like I am. And it's gross. Yeah, yeah. that's why. Uh, let's see more stuff about haunted houses. <laughs> oh, I'll talk about haunted <laughs> houses all day. I, I know you will, honey. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all I got. What you about got us you guys? a witch? It's my wife. <laughs> I, uh, Scott, I like- anything? I like that Tuvok had like the best insight uh, on kids of anyone on the ship because he's I think he's the only actual dad like mm-hmm. like none of the other of, characters of the main have cast. Children. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So like he actually had like a good insight on like the board children were just acting like children. And it was it was a oh, good yeah. point. Mm. And actually, that's that's my quote is uh, they're describing the Borg and uh, and he says this. But your Borg are predictable. They'll ignore you or assimilate you. But these juveniles, they're unstable. They are contemptuous of authority, convinced that they are superior. Typical adolescent behavior for any species. Which I really like. You know, t- typical kids. What are you going to do? Fucking teenagers. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought, yeah. like, after the last step, or no, you would have thought, well, no, even though he said that, though, he was ready to, like, nuke him just like Janeway. Oh, yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. Tuvok has the same attitude Worf has, only he he expresses it much more subdued because he's a Vulcan. Yeah, right. But he is still all about blow him up. And, like that's my that's my suggestion to everything: blow it up. Have you tried blowing it up yet? Well, mm. maybe I mean, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> maybe you should blow it up a little. You you got me manning these torpedoes. I sure would like to use them sometime. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just saying. So anytime now. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, no. Scott? I think that's all I have. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Next time, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we have another Fairhaven episode. Oh, fuck and me. Looks real, real bad. I could be wrong, but the title is Spirit Folk, so whatever it is, it's going to be great. We do know it's got folk in it, so that's great. And Spirit Folk at that, not even like Robot Folk. Ugh. So, looking forward to that. Scott, uh, it has been a blast. You are you are welcome back anytime, mm-hmm. if, if any other wrestlers show up or not even yes okay nice no, thanks for uh, having me on absolutely maybe if you find the enterprise equivalent of time and again you can come and uh, say <laughs> his i can only dream <laughs> uh so that's all for this time i believe amanda will be joining us next week so that'll that'll cushion the blow a little bit mm. so look forward to that yep say your thing oh yeah spirit folk The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.